Book Four, Chapter Seven of the History of the Conquest of Mexico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of the Conquest of Mexico by William H. Prescott. Book Four, Chapter Seven. Cortez descends from the tableland negotiates with Narvaez, prepares to assault him, quarters of Narvaez attacked by night, Narvaez defeated. Traversing the southern causeway by which they had entered the capital, the little party were soon on their march across the beautiful valley. They climbed the mountain screen which nature had so ineffectually drawn around it, passed between the huge volcanoes that, like faithless watchdogs on their posts have long since been buried in slumber threaded the intricate defiles where they had before experienced such bleak and tempestuous weather and emerging on the other side descended the eastern slope which opens on the wide expanse of the fruitful plain of cholula they heeded little of what they saw on their rapid march nor whether it was cold or hot the anxiety of their minds made them indifferent to outward annoyances, and they had fortunately none to encounter from the natives, for the name of Spaniard was in itself a charm, a better guard than helm or buckler to the bearer. In Cholula Cortez had the inexpressible satisfaction of meeting Velasquez de Leon, with the hundred and twenty soldiers entrusted to his command for the formation of a colony that faithful officer had been some time at cholula waiting for the general's approach had he failed the enterprise of cortez must have failed also the idea of resistance with his own handful of followers would have been chimerical as it was his little band was now trebled and acquired a confidence in proportion cordially embracing their companions in arms now knit together more closely than ever by the sense of a great and common danger the combined troops traversed with quick steps the streets of the sacred city where many a dark pile of ruins told of their disastrous visit on the preceding autumn they kept the high road to tlascala and at not many leagues distance from that capital fell in with father olmedo and his companions on their return from the camp of narvaez the ecclesiastic bore a letter from that commander, in which he summoned Cortez and his followers to submit to his authority as captain-general of the country, menacing them with condign punishment in case of refusal or delay. Olmedo gave many curious particulars of the state of the enemy's camp. Narvaez he described as puffed up by authority and negligent of precautions against a foe whom he held in contempt. He was surrounded by a number of pompous, conceited officers who ministered to his vanity, and whose braggart tones the good father, who had an eye for the ridiculous, imitated to the no small diversion of Cortez and the soldiers. Many of the troops, he said, showed no great partiality for their commander, and were strongly disciplined to a rupture with their countrymen, a state of feeling much promoted by the accounts they had received of Cortez by his own arguments and promises, and by the liberal distribution of the gold with which he had been provided. In addition to these matters, Cortez gathered much important intelligence respecting the position of the enemy's force and his general plan of operations. 
at tlascala the spaniards were received with a frank and friendly hospitality it is not said whether any of the tlascalan allies accompanied them from mexico if they did they went no further than their native city cortez requested a reinforcement of six hundred fresh troops to attend him on his present expedition it was readily granted but before the army had proceeded many miles on its route the indian auxiliaries fell off one after another and returned to their city they had no personal feeling of animosity to gratify in the present instance as in a war against mexico it may be too that although intrepid in a contest with the bravest of the indian races they had too fatal experience of the prowess of the white men to care to measure swords with them again at any rate they deserted in such numbers that cortez dismissed the remainder at once saying good-humouredly he had rather part with them then than in the hour of trial the troops soon entered on that wild district in the neighbourhood of perote strewed with the wreckage of volcanic matter which forms so singular a contrast to the general character of beauty with which the scenery is stamped it was not long before their eyes were gladdened by the approach of sandoval and about sixty soldiers from the garrison of veracruz including several deserters from the enemy it was a most important reinforcement not more on account of the numbers of the men than of the character of the commander he had been compelled to fetch a circuit in order to avoid falling in with the enemy and had forced his way through thick forests and wild mountain passes till he had fortunately without accident reached the appointed place of rendezvous and stationed himself once more under the banner of his chieftain at the same place also cortez was met by tobillos a spaniard whom he had sent to procure the lances from chinantla they were perfectly well made after the pattern which had been given double-headed spears tipped with copper and of great length cortez now took a review of his army if so paltry a force may be called an army and found their numbers were two hundred and sixty-six only five of whom were mounted a few muskets and crossbows were sprinkled among them in defensive armor they were sadly deficient they were for the most part cased in the quilted doublet of the country thickly stuffed with cotton the esquapil recommended by its superior lightness but which though competent to turn the arrow of the indian was ineffectual against a musket ball most of this cotton mail was exceedingly out of repair giving evidence in its unsightly gaps of much rude service and hard blows few in this emergency but would have given almost any price the best of the gold chains which they wore in tawdry display over their poor abilments for a steel morion or cuirass to take the place of their own hacked and battered armor the troops now resumed their march across the tableland until reaching the eastern slope their labors were lightened as they descended toward the broad plains of the tierra caliente spread out like a boundless ocean of verdure below them at some fifteen leagues distance from sempoala where narvaez as has been noticed had established his quarters they were met by another embassy from that commander it consisted of the priest guevara andres de duero and two or three others duero the fast friend of cortez had been the person most instrumental originally in obtaining him his commission from velasquez 
they now greeted each other with a warm embrace and it was not till after much preliminary conversation on private matters that the secretary disclosed the object of his visit he bore a letter from narvaez couched in terms somewhat different from the preceding that officer required indeed the acknowledgment of his paramount authority in the land but offered his vessels to transport all who desired it from the country together with their treasures and effects without molestation or inquiry the more liberal tenor of these terms was doubtless to be ascribed to the influence of duero the secretary strongly urged cortez to comply with them as the most favorable that could be obtained and as the only alternative affording him a chance of safety in his desperate condition for however valiant your men may be how can they expect he asked to face a force so much superior in numbers and equipment as that of their antagonists but cortez had set his fortunes on the cast and he was not the man to shrink from it if narvaez bears a royal commission he returned i will readily submit to him but he has produced none he is a deputy of my rival velasquez for myself i am a servant of the king i have conquered the country for him and for him i and my brave followers will defend it to the last drop of our blood if we fall it will be glory enough to have perished in the discharge of our duty his friend might have been somewhat puzzled to comprehend how the authority of cortez rested on a different ground than that of narvaez and if they both held of the same superior the governor of cuba why that dignitary should not be empowered to supersede his own officer in case of dissatisfaction and appoint a substitute but cortez here reaped the full benefit of that legal fiction if it may be so termed by which his commission resigned to the self-constituted municipality of vera cruz was again derived through that body from the crown the device indeed was too palpable to impose on any but those who chose to be blinded duero had arranged with his friend in cuba when he took command of the expedition that he himself was to have a liberal share of the profits it is said that cortez confirmed this arrangement at the present juncture and made it clearly for the other's interest that he should prevail in the struggle with narvaez this was an important point considering the position of the secretary from this authentic source the general derived much information respecting the designs of narvaez which had escaped the knowledge of olmedo on the departure of the envoys cortez entrusted them with a letter for his rival a counterpart of that which he had received from him this show of negotiation intimated a desire on his part to postpone if not avoid hostilities which might the better put narvaez off his guard in the letter he summoned that commander and his followers to present themselves before him without delay and to acknowledge his authority as the representative of his sovereign he should otherwise be compelled to proceed against them as rebels to the crown with this missive the vaunting tone of which was intended quite as much for his troops as the enemy cortez dismissed the envoys they returned to disseminate among their comrades their admiration of the general and of his unbounded liberality 
of which he took care they should experience full measure and they dilated on the riches of his adherents who over their wretched attire displayed with ostentatious profusion jewels ornaments of gold collars and massive chains winding several times around their necks and bodies the rich spoil of the treasury of montezuma the army now took its way across the level plains of the tierra caliente coming upon an open reach of meadow of some extent they were at length stopped by a river or rather stream called rio de canoas the river of canoes of no great volume ordinarily but swollen at this time by excessive rains it had rained hard that day the river was about a league distant from the camp of narvaez before seeking out a practical ford by which to cross it cortez allowed his men to recruit their exhausted strength by stretching themselves on the ground the shades of evening had gathered round and the rising moon wading through dark masses of cloud shone with a doubtful and interrupted light it was evident that the storm had not yet spent its fury cortez did not regret this he had made up his mind to an assault that very night and in the darkness and uproar of the tempest his movements would be most effectually concealed before disclosing his design he addressed his men in one of those stirring soldierly harangues to which he had recourse in emergencies of great moment as if to sound the depths of their hearts and where any faltered to reanimate them with his own heroic spirit he briefly recapitulated the great events of the campaign the dangers they had surmounted the victories they had achieved over the most appalling odds the glorious spoil they had won but of this they were now to be defrauded not by men holding a legal warrant from the crown but by adventurers with no better title than that of superior force they had established a claim on the gratitude of their country and their sovereign this claim was now to be dishonored their very services were converted into crimes and their names branded with infamy as those of traitors but the time had at last come for vengeance god would not desert the soldier of the cross those whom he had carried victorious through greater dangers would not be left to fail now and if they should fail better to die like brave men on the field of battle than with fame and fortune cast away to perish ignominiously like slaves on the gibbet this last point he urged upon his hearers well knowing there was not one among them so dull as not to be touched by it they responded with hearty acclamations and velasquez de leon and de lugo in the name of the rest assured their commander if they failed it should be his fault not theirs they would follow wherever he led the general was fully satisfied with the temper of his soldiers as he felt that his difficulty lay not in awakening their enthusiasm but in giving it a right direction one thing is remarkable he made no allusion to the defection which he knew existed in the enemy's camp he would have his soldiers in this last pinch rely on nothing but themselves he announced his purpose to attack the enemy that very night when he should be buried in slumber and the friendly darkness might throw a veil over their own movements 
and conceal the poverty of their numbers. To this the troops, jaded though they were by incessant marching and half-famished, joyfully assented. In their situation suspense was the worst of evils. He next distributed the commands among his captains. To Gonzalo de Sandoval he assigned the important office of taking Narvaez. He was commanded as Aguasil Mayor to seize the person of that officer as a rebel to his sovereign, and, if he made resistance, to kill him on the spot. He was provided with sixty picked men to aid him in this difficult task, supported by several of the ablest captains, among whom were two of the Alvarados, the Avila and Ordaz. The largest division of the force was placed under Cristofal de Olid, or, according to some authorities, Pizarro, one of that family so renowned in the subsequent conquest of Peru. He was to get possession of the artillery and to cover the assault of Sandoval by keeping those of the enemy at bay who would interfere with it. Cortez reserved only a body of twenty men for himself to act on any point that occasion might require. The watchword was Espiritu Santo, it being the evening of Whit Sunday. Having made these arrangements, he prepared to cross the river. During the interval thus occupied by Cortes, Narvaez had remained at Sempoala, passing his days in idle and frivolous amusement. From this he was at length roused, after the return of Duero, by the remonstrances of the old cacique of the city. "'Why are you so heedless?' exclaimed the latter. "'Do you think Malinche is so?' depend on it he knows your situation exactly and when you least dream of it he will be upon you alarmed at these suggestions and those of his friends narvaez at length put himself at the head of his troops and on the very day on which cortez arrived at the river of canoes sallied out to meet him but when he had reached this barrier narvaez saw no sign of an enemy the rain which fell in torrents soon drenched the soldiers to the skin. Made somewhat effeminate by their long and luxurious residence at Sempoala, they murmured at their uncomfortable situation. Of what use was it to remain there fighting with the elements? There was no sign of an enemy, and little reason to apprehend his approach in such tempestuous weather. It would be wiser to return to Sempoala, and in the morning they should be all fresh for action should cortez make his appearance narvaez took counsel of these advisers or rather of his own inclinations before retracing his steps he provided against surprise by stationing a couple of sentinels at no great distance from the river to give notice of the approach of cortez he also detached a body of forty horse in another direction by which he thought it not improbable the enemy might advance on sempoala Having taken these precautions, he fell back again before night on his own quarters. He there occupied the principal Teocali. It consisted of a stone building on the usual pyramidal basis, and the ascent was by a flight of steep steps on one of the faces of the pyramid. In the edifice or sanctuary above, he stationed himself with a strong party of arquebusiers and crossbowmen. Two other Teocalis in the same area were garrisoned by large detachments of infantry. 
his artillery consisting of seventeen or eighteen small guns he posted in the area below and protected it by the remainder of his cavalry when he had thus distributed his forces he returned to his own quarters and soon after to repose with as much indifference as if his rival had been on the other side of the atlantic instead of a neighboring stream that stream was now converted by the deluge of waters into a furious torrent it was with difficulty that a practicable ford could be found the slippery stones rolling beneath the feet gave way at every step the difficulty of the passage was much increased by the darkness and driving tempest still with their long pikes the spaniards contrived to make good their footing at least all but two who were swept down by the fury of the current when they had reached the opposite side they had new impediments to encounter in traversing a road never good now made doubly difficult by the deep mire and the tangled brushwood with which it was overrun here they met with a cross which had been raised by them on their former march into the interior they hailed it as a good omen and cortez kneeling before the blessed sign confessed his sins and declared his great object to be the triumph of the holy catholic faith the army followed his example and having made a general confession received absolution from father olmedo who invoked the blessing of heaven on the warriors who had consecrated their swords to the glory of the cross then rising up and embracing one another as companions in the good cause they found themselves wonderfully invigorated and refreshed the incident is curious and well illustrates the character of the time in which war religion and rapine were so intimately blended together adjoining the road was a little coppice and cortez and the few who had horses dismounting fastened the animals to the trees where they might find some shelter from the storm they deposited there too their baggage and such superfluous articles as would encumber their movement the general then gave them a few last words of advice everything he said depends on obedience let no man from desire of distinguishing himself break his ranks on silence dispatch and above all obedience to your officers the success of our enterprise depends silently and stealthily they held on their way without beat of drum or sound of trumpet when they suddenly came on the two sentinels who had been stationed by narvaez to give notice of their approach this had been so noiseless that the vedettes were both of them surprised on their posts and one only with difficulty effected his escape the other was brought before cortez every effort was made to draw from him some account of the present position of narvaez but the man remained obstinately silent and though threatened with the gibbet and having a noose actually drawn round his neck his spartan heroism was not be vanquished fortunately no change had taken place in the arrangements of narvaez since the intelligence previously derived from duero the other sentinel who had escaped carried the news of the enemy's approach to the camp but his report was not credited by the lazy soldiers whose slumbers he had disturbed 
he had been deceived by his fears they said and mistaken the noise of the storm and the waving of the bushes for the enemy cortez and his men were far enough on the other side of the river which they would be slow to cross in such a night narvaez himself shared in the same blind infatuation and the discredited sentinel slunk abashed to his own quarters vainly menacing them with the consequences of their incredulity cortez not doubting that the sentinel's report must alarm the enemy's camp quickened his pace as he drew near he discerned a light in one of the lofty towers of the city it is the quarters of narvaez he exclaimed to sandoval and that light must be your beacon on entering the suburbs the spaniards were surprised to find no one stirring and no symptom of alarm not a sound was to be heard except the measured tread of their own footsteps half drowned in the howling of the tempest still they could not move so stealthily as altogether to elude notice as they defiled through the streets of this populous city the tidings were quickly conveyed to the enemy's quarters where in an instant all was bustle and confusion the trumpets sounded to arms the dragoons sprang to their steeds the artillerymen to their guns narvaez hastily buckled on his armor called his men around him and summoned those in the neighboring teocalis to join him in the area he gave his orders with coolness for however wanting in prudence he was not deficient in presence of mind or courage all this was the work of a few minutes but in those minutes the spaniards had reached the avenue leading to the camp cortez ordered his men to keep close to the walls of the buildings that the cannon shot might have free range no sooner had they presented themselves before the enclosure than the artillery of narvaez opened a general fire fortunately the pieces were pointed so high that most of the balls passed over their heads and three men only were struck down they did not give the enemy time to reload cortez shouting the watchword of the night espiritu santo espiritu santo upon them in a moment olid and his division rushed on the artillerymen whom they pierced or knocked down with their pikes and got possession of their guns another division engaged the cavalry and made a diversion in favor of sandoval who with his gallant little band sprang up the great stairway of the temple they were received with a shower of missiles arrows and musket balls which in the hurried aim and the darkness of the night did little mischief the next minute the assailants were on the platform engaged hand to hand with their foes narvaez fought bravely in the midst encouraging his followers his standard-bearer fell by his side run through the body he himself received several wounds for his short sword was not match for the long pikes of the assailants at length he received a blow from a spear which struck out his left eye santa maria exclaimed the unhappy man i am slain the cry was instantly taken up by the followers of cortez who shouted victory disabled and half mad with agony from his wound narvaez was withdrawn by his men into the sanctuary the assailants endeavored to force an entrance but it was stoutly defended at length a soldier getting possession of a torch or firebrand flung it on the thatched roof and in a few moments the combustible materials of which it was composed were in a blaze 
those within were driven out by the suffocating heat and smoke a soldier named farfan grappled with the wounded commander and easily brought him to the ground when he was speedily dragged down the steps and secured with fetters his followers seeing the fate of their chief made no further resistance during this time cortez and the troops of olid had been engaged with the cavalry and had discomfited them after some ineffectual attempts on the part of the latter to break through the dense array of pikes by which several of their number were unhorsed and some of them slain the general then prepared to assault the other teocalis first summoning the garrisons to surrender as they refused he brought up the heavy guns to bear on them thus turning the artillery against its own masters he accompanied this menacing movement with offers of the most liberal import an amnesty of the past and a full participation in all the advantages of the conquest one of the garrisons was under the command of salvatierra the same officer who talked of cutting off the ears of cortez from the moment he had learned the fate of his own general the hero was seized with a violent fit of illness which disabled him from further action the garrison waited only for one discharge of the ordnance when they accepted the terms of capitulation cortez it is said received on this occasion a support from an unexpected auxiliary the air was filled with cocuyos a species of large beetle which emits an intense phosphoric light from its body strong enough to enable one to read by it these wandering fires seen in the darkness of the night were converted by the excited imaginations of the besieged into an army with matchlocks such is the report of an eyewitness but the facility with which the enemy surrendered may quite as probably be referred to the cowardice of the commander and the disaffection of the soldiers not unwilling to come under the banners of cortez the body of cavalry posted it will be remembered by narvaez on one of the roads to sempoala to intercept his rival having learned what had been passing were not long in tendering their submission each of the soldiers in the conquered army was required in token of his obedience to deposit his arms in the hands of the alguaciles and to take the oaths to cortez as chief justice and captain-general of the colony the number of the slain is variously reported it seems probable that no more than twelve perished on the side of the vanquished and of the victors half that number the small amount may be explained by the short duration of the action and the random aim of the missiles in the darkness the number of the wounded was much more considerable the field was now completely won a few brief hours had sufficed to change the condition of cortez from that of a wandering outlaw at the head of a handful of needy adventurers a rebel with a price upon his head to that of an independent chief with a force at his disposal strong enough not only to secure his present conquests but to open a career for still loftier ambition while the air rung with the acclamations of the soldiery the victorious general assuming a deportment corresponding with his change of fortune took his seat in a chair of state and with rich embroidered mantle thrown over his shoulders 
received one by one the officers and soldiers as they came to tender their congratulations. The privates were graciously permitted to kiss his hand. The officers he noticed with words of compliment or courtesy, and when Duero, Bermudez the treasurer, and some others of the vanquished party his old friends presented themselves, he cordially embraced them. Narvaez, Salvatierra, and two or three of the hostile leaders were led before him in chains. It was a moment of deep humiliation for the former commander, in which the anguish of the body, however keen, must have been forgotten in that of the spirit. "'You have great reason, Senor Cortez,' said the discomfited warrior, "'to thank fortune for having given you the day so easily and put me in your power.' i have much to be thankful for replied the general but for my victory over you i esteem it as one of the least of my achievements since my coming into the country he then ordered the wounds of the prisoners to be cared for and sent them under a strong guard to vera cruz notwithstanding the proud humility of his reply cortez could scarcely have failed to regard his victory over narvaez as one of the most brilliant achievements in his career. With a few scores of followers, badly clothed, worse fed, wasted by forced marches, under every personal disadvantage, deficient in weapons and military stores, he had attacked in their own quarters, routed and captured the entire force of the enemy, thrice his superior in numbers, well provided with cavalry and artillery, admirably equipped and complete in all the munitions of war the amount of troops engaged on either side was indeed inconsiderable but the proportions are not affected by this and the relative strength of the parties made a result so decisive one of the most remarkable events in the annals of war end of book four chapter seven Recording by Sue Anderson